0: The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, starting at verse 5, and that's on page 735. This is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who trust in mortals, who depend on flesh for their strength, and whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And for the New Testament reading, we move to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6 and starting at verse 17. And we can find that on page 976 in the New Testament section. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. Who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how the ancestors treated their prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how the ancestors treated the false prophets. Amen.
1: thank you Ross we see in, in those passages particularly in that passage from Luke about Jesus's heart for those who are poor for those who are hurting for those who are sick for those who know that they need him and our next song is a response to that as a prayer for God's blessing on those who suffer and and a prayer actually for ourselves that we would respond to those in need with compassion so please again stand if you're able as we sing beauty for brokenness mm Please take a seat. And as Chris comes to share his reflections with us, let's pray for Chris and for ourselves. <coughs> Father, we thank you for your servant, Chris. We thank you, God, for, um, for your word that you've placed in Chris's heart. And, Lord, we pray that we would hear you speaking to us through what Chris shares this morning. <coughs> Lord, will you open our minds and our hearts to hear from you? In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
2: (laughs) Oh, hello again. That's not me whistling. (coughs) Although I wish I could whistle like that. That's quite amazing. So I took Beatrice to the uh, orthodontist yesterday, and um, she had things in her mouth, so she couldn't really talk. So I did the talking. So. The nurse was like, so what are you doing this weekend? And I said, well, bitch, just be some homework, we're chilling. Um, but tomorrow I'm working, thinking this could be an opportunity to share something about my faith and what I do. She went, all oh, right, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm I speaking at a couple of services and I'm also going to help the church celebrate communion, the bread and the wine. She went, that's not work. I said, you're right, that's... Actually, uh, a joy. And it really is, it's such a joy. It turned out that the nurse, the orthodontist at the dentist in, in, in Combatant, she loves Jesus. And she said, It's so good to meet people who love Jesus. And we had a, a lovely time of just sharing a little bit about our faith. Uh, but it really is a joy to bring God's word to us this morning. We're in. we're invited to consider two trees. Now, there were a few verses, Ross, that you, you missed off from Jeremiah. So I just want to read. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> so from verse seven, let me just read a few more verses because we've got this wonderful comparison between someone whose trust is in within themselves. And then you've got, The comparison of someone whose trust is in the Lord. Or some versions put the fear, the fear of the Lord, the awe, the trust, the everything. And, And it's a tale of two trees. You see, one is withered and like in a wilderness, a bit like a shrub, Jeremiah says. The other is like a tree planted by a river that bears fruit. In season. So let me just read those few uh, verses from Jeremiah. Seven, verse 7 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by a river, planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And then it goes on to say, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. So, as we look at Jesus' challenge this morning, the challenge is, do we live a life of withered shrub-likeness? Or do we live that life of being like a tree planted by the waters? You see, once upon a time, there was a man who said, if you are thirsty, come to me. So, if we want to be thirsty, Someone who's planted by the waters, the river, we need to be close to Jesus, the source of all that good water, that water of life, that nourishment. So we're going to look at some challenging words from Jesus to keep us close so that we can be like someone by the water, not. Someone withered, without nourishment, life. You see, the challenge for us this morning is about who who is Jesus. You see, the dangers are that we make Jesus and his message small. So is Jesus a small Jesus to you? I, I sometimes wear a hoodie that has four points. God loves me, but I have sinned, but Jesus has died for me. I need to decide to live for him. Have you seen those four points? The heart, the cross, the cross, and the question mark. I need to decide to live for him. And it misses out the teachings and challenge of Jesus. It just makes the message of Jesus ever so small. He lived, he died. He rose again. <laughs> but what about what he, how he teaches us to live? So... Is Jesus a small Jesus, or is Jesus almighty Jesus, not almighty? This is the challenge that he brings us through the words this morning from the Bible. Is Jesus almighty or almighty? Do we follow a Jesus who offers cheap grace or costly grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, writes about costly grace. He says, you see, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. It's baptism without church discipline. It's communion without confession Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. Now, costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of it, a man will go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy which the merchant will sell all his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. So Jesus' challenge for us this morning is, well, what, what do we think of Jesus? Is he small Jesus? Or matey Jesus? Or is he the Jesus of cheap grace? We serve Jesus who is Lord the boss the one in charge the captain the leader the one who is in charge of us his church I know I've said this often if Jesus isn't Lord of all he isn't Lord at all we serve a Jesus who requires our submission to him, are all. This is the Jesus who challenges us through these words this morning. So there are four challenges that I want to bring to us from Luke's gospel. The first is this: is that Jesus has great power. The second is that Jesus looks at his disciples. The third is that Jesus challenges how we live. And the last one is that Jesus challenges us about eternity. So let's look at the first one. Jesus has great power. So at the beginning of our reading from Luke's gospel, when they're gathered and Jesus is teaching the multitude of disciples. He's just called the apostles. He's called them. He's worked out, Who's, who is it that are going to be part of my, my close team? And there they are, all together with countless other disciples, and they're bringing their sick. They're bringing those who are demon-possessed, those who need help and healing and great power Flows from Jesus. Great power. The the scripture puts it like this in verse 19. And the people all tried to touch him. They all tried to touch him. Because power was coming from him and healing them all. Do you know Jesus' great power. Uh, I've often shared this story, so forgive me if you've heard it before. But when I was city centre chaplain in Peterborough, uh, I was in the market store and heard someone go, psst. I thought, that's a little bit strange. Psst. I'm standing there, psst. Oh, it's, it's a guy. So I go over to the store. I go, you're right, mate. He goes, hey, have you got any hash? And I was a little bit flummoxed, I must admit. And uh, I looked at him and went, any, any hash? No, no. And I tapped my pockets as if I meant to carry drugs with me. No, 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 I haven't got any hash. And I, I looked at him and I thought, This is really awkward. Because <laughs> I am a Baptist minister and he's asking a Baptist minister for some drugs. And I, I know perhaps I don't look like a Baptist minister, that's probably the problem there. <laughs> Um, I said, mate, you know, if you had shalom, God's peace, you wouldn't need hash. And I'm, I'm thinking, what am I saying? And he's standing behind these wonderful handbags, market store. He goes, Oh, of course, I know that. If I had shalom, of course I wouldn't need drugs, but I haven't got it, have I? So he gets it. This guy turns out he's from Israel. I said, do you want some? He said, what do you mean? I said, I'll, I'll give you some. What, shalom? Yeah, do you want some? I've, I've got God's peace, perfect peace. Do you want some? And I, again, I'm thinking, what am I saying? This is strange. And I say, listen, I'm, this is a bit awkward, but I'm actually um, a minister. And he's like, oh, I can't believe I'm asked a minister for some drugs. I said, listen, but let me just give you some shalom. And I had a bag with me, and I reached into my bag, and I I, I didn't have anything. I just went, God's peace be with you. And he stood there, and he went, whoa, what was that? And he experienced something of the power that comes from Jesus. Not from me, from Jesus, the power that Jesus has. Do you know his power? You see, people crowding around, wanting to touch, be with him. He is a man of such power. He still is a man of such power. And that power is for you and for me. Do you need a miracle? For your health, for your family, for your job. Do you need a miracle? Because Jesus is a man of great power. And I believe he would want to challenge us today to receive his power, if we need it. To be like those members within the crowd, pressing around him, saying, please help. What do you need from the Lord Jesus? He has great power that comes from him. Secondly, Jesus looks at his disciples. It's a bit of a passing word within Luke's (coughs) account of what happened. Jesus looked at his disciples. Well, when I was preparing for speaking, that just leapt out at me. Jesus looks at me. He looks at me. The challenge for us is, do we know that Jesus is all-powerful but (laughs) all-knowing? All-knowing. He knows us inside and out. He looks at us. Psalm 139, right at the end... It says, Lord, examine me and test me and see if there's any anxious thought within me. Jesus knows our hearts. Jeremiah reminds us of that, doesn't he? That God sees the heart. I wonder, do you know that Jesus sees you? He knows you. Do you know that He loves you? I had a. a, a, a I'm going to just be brave and share it. I had a dream. And uh, when I woke up this morning, I thought, that's a bit of a strange dream. So on the way here, I said to to Beatrice, shall I share this dream? And it was a dream of someone visiting the UK. And all they did was, when they saw a sign for Carlisle or Swindon or Glasgow or Cambridge, they pulled in at the service station, thinking that was the city. And they would enjoy their quick cup of tea in a McDonald's and see everyone hurrying around and and then off they go again. Um, I was reflecting on it here and I just wonder whether some of us need to know that following Jesus, it isn't just about a pulling in on a Sunday. It's not just that quick, right, off I go again. It's It's about the abiding, that seeing the whole of the city Enjoying the cathedral and the sites and the restaurants and going on the tour bus. And Jesus sees us and longs for us to abide with him our whole life. I've been challenged by this book called Scattered Servants, uh, written by Alan Scott. I heard him a few years ago, fascinating guy. He writes this, your everyday ordinary lives. So, here's what I want you to do take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take your everyday, ordinary life and live it generously, radically, expansively, creatively, courageously, compassionately, redemptively. Live it gloriously. Live in his story. Live out your story. Live knowing that God is with you. He's for you. And he is in you. God ordains your ordinary. Yet there remains a tendency to separate the miraculous from the menial. When that happens, our life at work becomes divorced from our faith. This is dangerous. Because when we fail to see the story of God at work, we miss the opportunity to partner with God at work, or at school or with our neighbours in the community and so we begin dividing work into sacred and secular our life into what Jesus sees and what he doesn't Jesus sees us 24-7 thirdly Jesus challenges how we live. I love Luke. Luke's account of the Beatitudes are very different to Matthew. Luke says, blessed, resourced, or happy you will be uh, if you're poor. For yours is the kingdom. Matthew says, blessed or resourced, or happy, you will be if you are poor in spirit. For yours is the kingdom. And we know Luke has a heart for the poor. We know that because he sets it out right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of the story of Jesus, he introduces us to the outcasts. Those that no one should be with. And they're central to the nativity story. The shepherds. Nowhere else in the Bible are the shepherds. So we know that, that Luke shows us that God has a preference for the poor. Okay, he hasn't got favourites, but he seems to have a preference for the poor. And he writes this, are you poor Well, yours is the kingdom of God? Are you hungry Will you'll be satisfied? Are you weeping Are you going to laugh? Let me read these wonderful verses from the paraphrase, uh, paraphrase of um, Called the Passion. Have you come across it? It's a fairly new paraphrase of the Bible. So it says this, looking intently at his followers, Jesus began his sermon. How enriched you become when you are poor, for you will experience the reality of God's kingdom realm. How filled you become when you are consumed with hunger and desire, for you will be completely satisfied. How content you become when you weep with complete brokenness, for you will laugh with unrestrained joy. How favoured you become when you are hated, excommunicated or slandered or when your name is spoken of as evil because of your love for me, the Son of Man. I promise you that as you experience these things, you will celebrate and dance with overflowing joy and the heavenly reward of your faith will be abundant because you are being treated the same way as your forefathers treated the prophets. And Luke puts our culture topsy-turvy. Because he says this, but what sorrows await those of you who are rich in this life only. For you have already received all the comfort you'll ever get. What sorrows await those of you who are complete and content with yourselves for hunger and emptiness will come to you. What sorrows await for you who laugh now, having received all your joy in this life only For grief and wailing will come to you. We serve the Lord Jesus. Who has a topsy-turvy kingdom. If you lack, well yours is the kingdom. If you cry, he's near to you. And our culture says, if you have, woohoo! If you're sorted and, and confident and have, ev- wow, well, great. But we serve a Lord who says, Are you broken? Are you poor? I'm near to you. Do you need some water? Jesus' words um, are also within the teaching and challenge of eternity. I've brought my syrup. It's actually a wonderful string dispenser. Um, How do you measure eternity? So this, this promise that Jesus gives to us. Of joy, of riches. It's in the context of investing in eternity. Let me just read this this final challenge to you. Uh, Jesus says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. A reward in heaven. So Jesus challenges us that this life isn't it. This life isn't it. If we were to try and measure eternity, which is possible, isn't it? Just how do you measure forever? I imagine that it's a bit like this string. Um, This might just help us get our heads around it a little bit. If this little bit on the end was somehow our life on earth. So Jesus is saying, invest in eternity. Um, so that's our tiny little bit. Of... Imagine if this tub of golden syrup string <laughs> could go around Camborne a few thousand times. Well, we still wouldn't be there, would we? Sorry. We'd, it would still go on. So Jesus is saying, invest in that now for the sake of that. And we know that one day Jesus is coming back and we need to be ready. He is coming back. And and we need to be ready for the new earth and the new heaven. And our investment in this small part now, in our life now, will bring great difference. To this wonderful forever eternity. So the challenge from Jesus. Jesus has great power the scriptures reveal. Do you know that? And that power, by the way, that power that he has, it's here. We just need to ask. The scriptures say, ask. 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 Can we have your Holy Spirit? Yeah, ask. (laughs) Ask and it'll be given. See, you're going to find. Knock, door will be open. (laughs) So Jesus' great power. uh, Jesus looks at his disciples, looks at us. Jesus challenges us how we live. This topsy-turvy kingdom. And for those of us who have, to to be those who give. Uh, Jesus challenges us about eternity. Investing in the life that really is to come. I wonder if you recognise these words. End? No. The journey doesn't end here. Death. Is just another path. The grey rain curtain of the world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it <coughs> white shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise. End. No. The journey doesn't end here. Do you recognise those words? From Gandalf? From from the Return of the King. Um, let's pray. Lord you love us but you really do challenge us and Lord the challenge from your word this morning that you are someone of great power, that you look at us, that you are someone who challenges us how we live. And you are one who challenges us uh, about eternity. Lord, may, may we be challenged by you, but may we also know how deeply you love us. For those of us who need to recommit our lives to following you, Lord, help us to do it. As we celebrate communion together, may that be an opportunity to once more say, yes, I will follow you. The one who is Lord. The one who is exalted to the highest place. The one whom every knee will bow to and every tongue confess that Jesus, you are Lord.
3: In Jesus' name. Amen.